I'm Jyotha Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Writing has been described as a window to the soul. People with disabilities write in many ways, pens and papers, speech-to-text software, maybe they record their words and have someone else transcribe them. We as a community with rich and varied experiences are hungry to tell our stories. Stories that deal with the daily minutia of living with a disability. Stories that tackle bigger questions and deep ideas. Stories that make us laugh, cry, maybe sit up and take notice. Stories that say to the world, we are out there. We have stories to tell because we are living lives, having adventures, and we aren't going away. Stories matter. The end. Today, we discuss disabilities and short stories. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Joyita Gupta, joining you from the Accessible Media Studios in downtown Toronto, from a different place in the studio, actually. I'm back in what is known as Studio 5, way back when, uh, when I used to do a morning show for Accessible Media. I used to host it from this room, Studio 5, so it brings back a lot of fond memories of good interviews and good guests, and I um, had a, a lot of fun working in this space. So it's good to be back. Um, just to describe it, behind me is a two t- is a is a black wall. There's a two-tone black wall with blue and yellow squares on it. So I'm sitting in front of this wall in quite a comfy chair, and I am wearing, I think I've worn this on the show before, uh, a pink sweater with a round neck, and my hair is, of course, black, and it's it's tied back in a ponytail. I was saying to our videographer, uh, Matt McGurk, that I think I'm doing a bunch of shows about short stories, so I might take a break from the short story a bit for a while on this program. But there was a great program and an exciting project at the Holland Bloorview Kids Rehab Center. They do such good work. And this is a collection of short stories by and for people with disabilities. It's called As I Live and Breathe, and it really encompasses the lived experiences of youth with disabilities. And you'll be hearing from one of the storytellers in the program later on today. But first, I'm really delighted to welcome to the program Dolly Menedek, who is the project lead on this book, the short story book, As I Live and Breathe. Uh, Dolly is a clinical and research bioethicist and also a youth engagement strategy lead. Hello, Dolly. Welcome. It's so nice to have you on the program. Hi, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to be with you today. So, Dolly, this is a book about people with disabilities, by and for people with disabilities. How did it all come about? Mm, It's a great question, and I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to talk about As I Live and Breathe, which is a short story collection written by authors with lived experience of growing up with a disability. Um, For many years, uh, the youth engagement strategy at Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital has been engaging with current and former clients in that youth age range, so teens and young adults, really looking for a way to ask those current and former clients, if they would like to turn their lived experiences 
of disability and their lived experiences of receiving health care from Hall and Bloorview into change. And one of the ways that we've been leveraging that knowledge and expertise that our youth-aged partners are bringing to us is through creative arts projects. And over the last five years, we've engaged actually in five different arts-based projects. And the short story collection has been really a labor of love. Um, we started in February 2022, and we launched the collection December 1st, just a few days before the International Day of Persons with Disabilities, in order to have our launch coincide with that celebration. Um, and this project came about as a way to enable our youth leaders to share and express their stories in, uh, in a community, right? So it's not one author, one story, it's a collection. And the, the group was very much a collective learning and writing group as well. And the youth leaders are a very um, close community. But I think what that represents is how important it is to find community as you're growing up and with the identities that you bring to the table in your life. And so this is a way for individuals with disabilities to connect to their community beyond these stories. You mentioned learning, and I would imagine that part of that is learning how to tell your stories for the purposes of writing this book. How did you train or engage with some of the youth leaders to help them become better writers? So with this project, we actually engaged an artist facilitator who was our primary editor and curator of the book. Um, she was a wonderful artist facilitator. Her name was Mary Anderson, and we had her as our program manager. And throughout this project, we engaged in a series of workshops that focused on writing styles that utilized writing exercises, prompts, peer critique, and discussion. Um, and also, there was uh, many rounds of editing by myself and also by our artist facilitator, and alongside, in parallel, the youth leaders started a book club nearly 18 months ago to explore the writing that was already out there um, of authors with a disability who were writing, of authors writing about characters with disabilities, and also of issues facing transgendered youth. So specific and broad at the same time. But there were, those were the two preparation uh, vehicles that we used in, in this learning writing journey. I'm wondering who would you say is the, is the intended audience? Was it other people with disabilities or were you targeting the book more towards able-bodied people? Oh, I would say that I could talk forever, but I, but I will say this. There was a distinction between the delicacy of the approach to disability when the authors themselves were disabled. There was definitely in our book club the recognition that the experiences were easy to understand and common in the disability experience. And I think definitely new to an, to an able-bodied reader. Um, and so that, that was really apparent. And then also what was really apparent was the distinction that some, you know, adult writers, so, the, so these are really youth writers in this short story collection. And there was a recognition that adult writers really dug into some distinctions between things like activism and 
advocacy. And those sparked very um, like debates, debates that were really interesting amongst the youth leaders about what are those distinctions and what makes you an advocate or what makes you an activist and really created an opportunity for the experience of reading to create critical reflection. And I think that that piece is what's really important because writing doesn't always represent us. And so to look for that representation was a feat. And so this collection really seeks to close some of that gap, to provide stories of young adults and youth with disabilities sharing their experience so that others can connect and feel as though they have a broad community. Of course, the disability community isn't just a monolith. I've said this several times on the program. In what way would you say the book is representative, not just of different disabilities, but of different experiences of living with a disability? It's a great question and one that I believe you might get a different answer from each member of the contributors. I think it's everybody. I think that it serves a really important purpose for youth with disabilities and young people to read and feel less alone, to feel as though other people understand their experience, other people have similar experiences. And it's the unusual things that bring us together. Um, I, I think that piece is really important. And I think the writing is accessible so that an able-bodied reader and the general public can connect to these stories because there's a lot of beautiful explanation of the experience of the other or of difference. And there's explanations of problem solving that goes into being a, a person who's living their life with a disability. Um, so I think that, I think everyone can really get something out of this collection. It's clearly a labor of love, and you've spent so much time on it, having conversations about it, editing it, now that it's all done and dusted. Dolly, what are your key reflections? That's a great question. So the the authors, it's funny, the thing that connects them all is they identify, uh, the authors all identify as individuals with a disability, but there is uh, differences in other uh, lo social locations. So uh, social locations such as age, uh, specificity of disability, education, um, new immigrants or Canadians, or what it's like to access health care. Um, if you're the one directing your care or if your parents are directing your care. So I don't want to give it all away, but definitely we'll see a variety of, of intersectionalities throughout the stories in the book. It is such a great book. I have to ask you if it's available in audio format and where we can pick up a copy if you'd like to have a read. So great questions. Right now, you can find out about the As I Live and Breathe short story collection on the Holland Blurview webpage. It has its own page dedicated. And on that page, you can read a little bit about each one of the authors. There's a short bio and there is a short excerpt from each of their stories. Also, one of the stories was the illustrator for the book and created both the cover art and an illustration for each story. And, and that actually was Lexan. Uh, Lexan Zhang did all of that artwork. 
And then on that website, you can order from a third party, you can order a copy of the book. Um, and then eventually the book will be available in more formats. Right now, it's an order a copy from the printer format. You know, I, I realized I should have mentioned this earlier in the conversation, but one of the nice things about this book is it's giving a lot of young writers a start. Uh, you know, you write and you contribute to this book and suddenly it's hopefully something that you as an aspiring writer can uh, funnel into other writing projects. I would imagine that's a really nice thing for everyone involved as well. Yes, I, you know, it's my hope that it will also be the beginning of a long creative career for many of our authors and for other ones, you know, you'll find individuals who are professionals in, in their own careers already and they use writing as a way to stay connected to the experiences of even being a professional with a disability. Um, and so I think that it's offering both a launching pad and an outlet to express the intersection in one's life. Thank you, Dolly. It was so great to speak to you about this project and congratulations. I'm so happy to have you on the program. Thank you for having me. I hope you have a great day. Dolly Manadak was the editor on the anthology of the book, As I Live and Breathe. I'm really pleased now to welcome one of the contributors. Lexan Zhang is a writer and an artist whose work is featured in the book. Lexan, hello and welcome to The Pulse. It's so nice to have you on the program. A pleasure to be here. Thank you. Lexan, tell me a little bit about how you got involved with this project. Um, so I am a youth leader uh, at Holland Bloorview. Um, I was I was previously a client. I've graduated since then. Um, so every year, Holland Bloorview and this um, and Koffler, um, an art uh, institution, they they. Uh, partner up and have these projects every year. So that's how I got involved. And you've written a short story, which you contribute to this book. Tell me a little bit about how long you've been writing. Oh, I, I've been writing as long as I can remember. I think I've been writing since I was like six. I remember writing uh, books and stories and making my own stories uh, ever since then. And what is it about writing that is so important to you? Um, I think it really does transport me um, into other lives and experience other experiences I myself might have not experienced. I think I just feel it, a great amount of empathy um, when I'm able to read other stories. Um, I just feel closer to people. I want to understand different perspectives and their stories. Would you say that in writing about your disability, uh, when people go to read your words, they would hopefully have more empathy for your lived experience as a person with a disability? Uh, exactly. I think writing about my experience of disability um, from that perspective, it really does, I hope, um, it gives other people perspective. It lets them see a different um, kind of story. And it makes me feel like I'm part of a larger conversation in culture, in literature. So tell me a little bit about your short story. In a few words, what is it all about? Right. So my short story is about um, 
this girl and her grandmother, and they are having conversation on this TTC. Um, it's a very simple setting, and it's just about the relationship of, you know, this grandmother and this child, and it's about it's about intergenerational relationships, immigrant immigrant experience, um, the disability experience, um, and the guard the the guardian child relationship. Why don't you go ahead? I know you you said you were going to do a small excerpt from the short story. So why don't you go ahead and read out a little bit so we can get a sense of what it's all about? Sure. So um, the book, As I Live and Breathe, is a collection of, I believe, nine short stories. And all you need to know is that um, they're on the bus and... Uh, Chinese for grandmother is Lala. In a moment, the blazing winking sun faded. At the next stop, people filed off the hissing bus, clutching their bags to their chest. As bloated raindrops stained their clothes dark, sheets of rain slapped the pavement angrily. An old man in faded brown slacks and a windbreaker hobbled in. I stood up, gesturing my seat to him. Feeling Lolo's eyes on me, I tried to busy myself with guessing the Chinese characters printed on the papers that were stored in a red newspaper box beside the bus stop. The rain was relentless. Stray newspapers melted onto the sidewalk like like a second skin clinging to the cold land. What will you do without me? <laughs> um, what will you do without me? Everything. Everything I wanted to say. I will do everything you've ever hoped for me. And Mama and Bawa. I will make this long trek away from home worth it. I will make everything, even the pain, worth it. I just didn't know how. And that's the little section. So that is a, re- you know, that is such a, a beautiful story. It so much resonated with me. And I was thinking especially about all the reactions that people have when they see a person with a disability on a bus, on a train, in any kind of public transit. You mentioned the TTC, which is the Toronto Transit Commission. And so when they, when an able-bodied person sees a person with a disability on the bus, for example, they might think, oh my God, you're so brave, or they might feel sorry for you. When someone reads your book, what are you hoping they will start to think about? What kind of perceptions do you hope to change about people with disabilities? I think particularly for me, because I look like a young person, and um, at times I don't use my cane, at times I do, um, people might make assumptions of like, oh, why are you sitting down on the accessible seating area? Um, you look like a young person. Um, I've had that kind of experience before. And I think I just want people to understand that, like, you know, um, there are all types of disabilities. There's uh, visible and invisible. And even if they do have a visible disability, but you don't think about that right away, um, 
it's possible that they still do. And it's important to just, uh, you know, be open and understand that, like, you know, people who need um, that area for seating will voice that and just be respectful of it. You know, that is a really good point. I'm thinking back to a guest I had on the program maybe three months or so ago, and she was mentioning that when writers with disabilities write about their disability or about their experience with their disability for an able-bodied audience, what they're really doing is, in a sense, translating that lived experience uh, for an able-bodied audience member. Would you say that you think of yourself similarly, not just as a writer, but almost as though you were a translator? Mm, interesting. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it that way. I think my goal every time with writing is to is to really just have my experience, my stories out in the world. Like, sometimes I'm unable to find um, stories that resonate with my experience specifically. And that that therein comes the desire of, you know, making those stories exist for myself. So when I'm writing, I'm not really thinking about um, translating it for an able-bodied audience. Um, more so, I'm just kind of wanting myself and my experience and the experiences of other youth with disabilities to be visible in the world. Do you hope that part of what people will do once they read your book is start to take some action? I know early in our conversation you said, I really want people to change their perceptions about who it is that they think needs that accessible seat on the bus. But are you also hoping to see advocacy or activism go beyond that, that kind of, of, of attitudinal change? Yes, I think just in general, the idea of... Um, wanting to be more seen more as humans more you know diversely and more um three-dimensionally um you know multifaceted humans i think um that's definitely um a goal of mine when i'm um try making characters of any kind well, you're not just a person with a disability, Lexan, any more than I'm just a person with a disability. You're, you're Chinese. I'm South Asian. And I'm curious about how you feel your identity as uh, someone who's Chinese might intersect with your lived experience of being a person with a disability. Right. Yes. So I've only recently been exploring um, the intersectionality of my identities in writing. Um and that's been a really interesting journey for me. And it's it's honestly it's it's been a difficult journey as well because I think I'm living in um Canada and it's a different experience from um you know, people who live in China and how that inter how that culture interacts um with other aspects of my disability and um womanhood. Uh, it's a very, it's a journey that I'm still on. So how many stories about Chinese women with disabilities are out there? Um, I've been looking and I don't think I've, I've yet found um, many that have resonated with me. Um, but I think this year I've made a personal goal of mine to 
um, read more broadly and find those hidden gems uh, of stories that uh, that explore that kind of intersectionality that I can relate to. Well, Lex, and it just goes to show you why your story is so unique and so beautiful. In the years to come, what are you hoping to accomplish as a writer? I mean, how are you planning to hone your craft? Um, I do believe I am at the start of um, my writing journey and just the craft in general. I have so much more to learn, um, so many more years to grow and experience life um, that can help in my writing um, and just my writing pieces. Um, I hope to, I hope to be a writer that like is honest and vulnerable and and really does touch people and reach people and just I I want to be able to be a connection to the mainstream world and be like I'm here. People like me are here and we have stories to to tell. And they are they are valuable and they are deserving. Lexan, I have to ask, and look, I ask all aspiring writers, do you or don't you like to be edited? I do like to be edited. I think I like I like that process of feedback and knowing um what others how others respond and how I can improve. Um, I think I much prefer editing over the first draft. I think first drafts are very daunting, and it's the blank page is a very intimidating um, blank screen to look at. Lexan, thanks so much for being on the show. It was so great to have you with us today. And congratulations on your contribution to the book and on the great artwork that you did. And I'm sure you will go on to write and uh, do other amazing things down the road. Thanks for speaking to us. Thank you so much for having me. Lexan Zhang was a contributor to the anthology put out by the Holland Blurview Rehab Center. That's all the time we have for today. I've got to wrap it up, but I hope you will reach out to me with any feedback you may have. You can write to feedback at ami.ca. You can always give us a call at 1-866-509-4545 and leave us a voicemail as well as your permission to play the audio on the program. You can find us on Twitter at AMI-audio and use the hashtag PulseAMI. And of course, you can find me on Twitter as, as well at Chuita Gupta if you'd like to get in touch with me directly we are on Facebook and wherever else you go for social media this has been a really exciting opportunity to talk to you about short stories and they are really important to me they mean a lot to me I enjoy reading them and I always enjoy talking to people who write them but as I said it's time for us to go our videographer today has been Matthew McGurk Ryan Delahanty is the coordinator for podcasts at AMI-audio. My technical producer is Marco Flalo, and Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. I've been your host, Joey Gupta. Thanks for listening. <laughs>